0: book of Acts in chapter number 8. We've been away from our study here in Acts for a few weeks and uh, be glad to get back to that today, but I'm thankful that we have the whole counsel of God. And uh, I heard a a preacher say one time he was beginning a sermon and he grabbed his Bible and he said, take your Bible and turn it anywhere. It's all good. It's all good. But it's good for us to be in the same place, isn't it? Uh, If you'll stand with me, please, this morning. We're going to read from the book of Acts in chapter number 8. And the thought I'd like for you to be thinking about as we begin our, uh, our passage here this morning is how far would you go for the Lord? How far would you go for the Lord? I was thinking about that song. Uh, do we have any meatloaf fans here today? And I'm talking about the singer. I know we probably have many uh, that love meatloaf, the food, right? Yeah. Now I've got something to compete against here. I've got you thinking about food. and We've got a little ways to go yet today. But, you know, Meatloaf sang that song. He said, I'll do anything for love. The part that confused me, though, was at one point he said, but I won't do that. So apparently he won't do anything for love. He wasn't being truthful. There was something that he wasn't willing to do. What would you do for the Lord? How far would you be willing to go? We're going to read together beginning, uh, chapter 8, beginning at verse number 25. The Bible says that, When they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he read Isaiah the prophet. And then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? of himself, or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth, and he began at the same scripture, and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And When they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Father God, we give you honor and glory for this beautiful day that you've given us, Lord, this wonderful time that you've given us to come and to worship you, come to hear the word of the Lord. And I pray, Father, just as you sent Philip to open the word of the Lord to that Ethiopian man, I pray that you'd you'd send the Spirit of God here today, that he would open your word to us. Open our hearts, Father, and help us to bless your holy name. We all ask it in the precious and the mighty name of Jesus, and we all together say... Amen. 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 You can be seated folks. So in our study, uh, in the earlier parts of chapter number eight, uh, we left uh, Philip there in Samaria. That's where that he was. And the first thing we want to look at here this morning is the place that all of this is, is taking place. Philip and uh, by the way, uh, Philip and his, uh, his, the other uh, servants of the church, Philip was a deacon. Uh, This man was a a deacon, and and they had been serving, and uh, persecution had come to the early church there in Jerusalem, and we know that the Bible says that they were all scattered. This is in the earlier parts of chapter number eight. Uh, They were scattered, and interestingly enough, the Bible says that they went to Judea and Samaria, uh, just as Jesus had said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. They'd already been doing that, but you're also going to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria, and even to the uttermost part of the earth, and so this was was the sending forth that Jesus Christ had promised before he ascended in Acts chapter number 1. And so Philip had been in Samaria, and there was a great ministry there in Samaria. People were being saved, Uh, they were putting their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you're not familiar with the map, uh, Samaria is 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 a place that's about 30, 35 miles north of the city of Jerusalem. And they had gone up to this place as a part of the scattering. Uh, But the Bible says that after they had been uh, up there, there in verse number 25, after they preached the word of the Lord, that they were returning to Jerusalem. And not only were they returning, as they went, they continued to preach because the Bible says they preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And the angel of the Lord, verse 26, appeared to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now down at south, Gaza lies about 50 miles to the south of Jerusalem and, and on the edge or the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, so this was quite a journey for Philip, about 85 miles uh, roughly that he traveled from Samaria uh, down into Jerusalem. And what, one of the things that I want you to understand is that Philip had a mind to go to Jerusalem. They were leaving Samaria. They were returning to Jerusalem. Jerusalem's where they came from. He had a mind to go back to Jerusalem, but I believe that the Spirit of God spoke to him through that angel and said, I want you to go a little bit further. I want you to go a little further than that. And the place that the Spirit led him uh, was to this place called Gaza. Now, I I found it interesting that the, uh, the, the Hebrew for Gaza means contested place. A contested place how fitting that is has there any ever been a place uh, that has existed on the face of the earth more contested than the Palestinians and the Israelites battle over that place Makes, make no mistake it belongs to the people of God and they will uh, it not only inhabit but inherit them. but they have been uh, Philip has been commanded by the angel of God uh, to go down to this place uh, in the south, and it was a contested place. And I want you to know that this place, the Bible tells us, was dryly apportioned. They called it a desert. It was a desert there at that point in time. It was a dry place. Uh, likely, there wasn't much life there. Uh, when I think of a desert, I think of of sand and and uh, dry places. I think of of not much life, and 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 definitely, it, there was not much water in this place. But the Bible says that the Spirit of God spoke to Philip and said, I want you to go to this place. Well, I wonder why that is. Do you ever wonder sometimes why it is the Spirit of God guides us to different places and asks us to go to different places and to do different things? By the way, remember where Philip was. Philip was in Samaria, and they were preaching the gospel on what was happening there in that place. It was a very fruitful time. There were many that were coming to faith and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would God ask him to leave that place and go to a place where there was no people, hardly where there was not much life, and where there was no water in that place? Well, we're going to find that out. Not only do we see the place, we also see the people. And the first man I've already talked much about, he was an evangelist, and his name was Philip. Philip. We know from the earlier chapters, we meet Philip in chapter number, there were, the church was growing and, and the disciples, uh, the apostles were not able to meet all the needs of the church. And so they were commanded to look them out, men that were faithful uh, and that were full of the Holy Spirit. And Philip was one of those men. And uh, he was a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a Christian. He was a deacon. The Bible tells us that he was an evangelist. It actually calls him out as an evangelist later here in the book of Acts. And again, we know that he went to Samaria and he was preaching the gospel, but Philip is not the only person that we see in this passage. Not only do we see an evangelist, but we also see an Ethiopian. Uh, and this man we meet here in verse, uh, verse number 27, the Bible says that he arose, meaning Philip arose and went, and behold, there was a man of Ethiopia. Uh, A eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem for to worship and was returning, sitting in his chariot and reading Isaiah the prophet. What can we learn about this man? Well, first of all, we know that the Bible says that he was an Ethiopian, that Ethiopia was a country that we still have that exists today, uh, the edge of the the Red Sea. And uh, the Bible history tells us that Ethiopia goes all the way back to the days of Ham, who was a a son of Noah. Uh, And uh, this was the place that the Bible often refers to as Cush in the Old Testament. You go back into the book of Genesis. And uh, this is in, in South Africa. And, and I learned this in my study, just a little side note for you. Do you know this is not the first Ethiopian eunuch that we find in the Bible? And if you want some extra credit class, if you find it and tell me where it's at, uh, I don't know what the extra credit will be. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a smile and shake your hand and tell you good job, I guess. Uh, but I'll give you a hint. You can find it in the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 38. And you get extra credit for reading your Bible, amen? Amen. But this man was likely a Jewish proselyte. He had been exposed to Judaism somewhere along the way. And I want to be very clear that this man did not come to Jerusalem to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to Jerusalem uh, to worship there at the temple. It was likely a feast uh, that he had probably come to. And uh, the Bible tells us that he had come to Jerusalem to worship. It's also likely that he was not alone. He was probably part of a caravan. Uh, Later in the passage, it tells us that when he was baptized, that he commanded them to stop the chariot. He wasn't commanding with him. But this man, I want you to know, he went a long way to worship. Depending on where he was at in Ethiopia, probably somewhere between 1,200 and 1,500 miles that he traveled, not in his brand new... they that far in a charge anyway, do they? No. This man went a long way. He made a great effort to worship uh, Almighty God. Not only do we want to see the place and the people, but we also want to see the performance. I don't want to skip over this as we go, because the Bible very clearly says that the angel of the Lord spake to Philip, and he said, Arise and go. And what happened after that? Philip said, Well, Lord, let's sit down and talk about this for a minute. Uh, Phil, uh, Lord, I've got so much to do. Uh, Lord, don't you know that I'm already working for you up here? You're going to have to send somebody else down there. Lord, maybe I'll do it next week. I've seen the weather and it looks like it's not going to be quite as hot. That's not what happened. The Bible says that, that Philip was commanded to rise and go. And then it says next that he arose and went. What an amazing thing that is, uh, that he uh, heard the word of the Lord and he obeyed the word of the Lord. Later on, in verse 29, the Bible says that, that he is to go near and to join himself to that chariot. And then next, the Bible says that he ran thither to him. In other words, what I'm telling you is that when the Lord spoke to Philip, he immediately and obediently acted on what God had commanded him to do. And, oh, church, I wonder what God could do today with people who would listen to the word of the Lord and not just hear, but also heed. What One of the things I love, one of the mottos we have at the school, uh, it was said when that school was founded that that school would be a place that Jesus Christ is honored and obeyed. Honored and obeyed. You know what I'm reminded the Lord Jesus Christ said? There are a lot of people in this world that say that they love Jesus. But do you know how to tell? Brother Lance taught on the wheat and the tares this morning. And I think we're going to be doing that again in Sunday school next week. But do you know the easiest way to tell who actually loves Jesus? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll do what I say. You'll respect what I've said, you'll trust what I've said, and you will obey and go where the Lord has called us to go. And I wonder if we would immediately and perfectly obey the Lord, what he would do with this place and this people yet today. This man... I want you to know, first of all, he had a position. The Bible tells us that he was uh, he was serving under Candace, who was queen of Ethiopia. Matter of fact, he was uh, treasurer to the queen. He had a high-ranking position there in the government of Ethiopia. Not only did this man have uh, power, because the Bible says that he had great authority. This man had position. He had power. He obviously had the newest chariot that was on the market. He was able to make it twelve to fifteen hundred miles and matter of fact was turning and going back to the place that he had come from I imagine that those people that were a part of that caravan I imagine that people that lived around this man probably looked at him and thought boy that boy that, that guy there he's got it all together he has got it made he's got a high ranking job in the government he's got power he tells people to do things and they do this and he has probably got anything that he wants to have. But you see, on the inside, he had a problem. One of the problems that we know this this man had is that he was lacking things in his life. I want to be careful to what detail I go into, but the Bible says that this man was a eunuch, which means that there had been some things done to him physically... (laughs) Uh, likely because of his position in the government, especially serving a queen, uh, there were ways that they treated men like that so that they were not tempted uh, to engage sexually uh, with people there in the kingdom. This man was a eunuch. We know other men in the Bible that Daniel and his friends had this same thing done to them when they were taken into captivity uh, in the Babylon, and, and you might think what that means to somebody. He was probably never married. He definitely was not going to have any children. And there are many things that maybe as the average person looked at this man and thought that he had everything that the world had to offer, there were things that they were not able to see that he was lacking. And I wonder how many there are in our presence today that would say, you know, people look at the outward appearance and they think that things are just well in my life and we're all good at, pretty good at putting on a show, aren't we? We're all pretty good at smiling on church on Sunday morning and say, oh, I'm just great. Everybody's doing just great. I, never, I don't know if I've ever had somebody that when I walk in and I shake their hand and say, how are you? They say, I'm doing horrible this morning, Pastor. <laughs> I mean, it's just my life is just falling apart this week. And you know what? Maybe we should be a little bit more honest about what's going on. I'm going to tell you here before the Lord today that my life is not perfect. And I, I love my Lord and I'm not going to turn my back on him. But I tell you what, there are times that I'm, I'm tempted to walk away from things. I'm tempted to quit. I'm tempted to give up. Everybody looks at the outside and says, oh, he's got it all together. But I'm, I'm telling you, I don't have come spend a week in my life. And you'll understand that I don't have it all together. And there are things that we're lacking. This man, not only was he lacking... But what we understand from the scriptures is this man was lost. This Christ. Why, how do we know that? Well, he traveled all the way to Jerusalem to worship, and it wasn't Jesus that he was worshiping. This man obviously was seeking and searching for something. He traveled twelve to 1,500 miles to try to figure it out, didn't he? He had heard something about this God of Israel and probably had heard some of the stories. You know, uh, uh, Ethiopia was not far from the Red Sea. Maybe they'd heard the stories about how God had parted the Red Sea and thought, man, if there's somebody out there that has that kind of power, I'd like to have him in my corner. And so he was seeking and searching and and looking for something that would fill the holes and fill the gaps in his life and and make things right. Uh, But what we understand is that religion still did not fill this void. He went all the way to Jerusalem. He went all the way to the temple. He went through the worship. He went through the activity. uh, He went through all the motions that all those other people that were engaged in religion were doing. And he was no yet the better. Can I encourage you today, dear friend, not to seek religion to meet the spiritual needs that you have in your life? Being part of a congregation, being part of a church, being part of a denomination or, or, or a certain religion. Listen, I'm, I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. Yes, I belong to a Baptist church, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a Baptist or a Methodist or a Catholic or any of those other things. I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, period. When I vote, I vote a certain way and oftentimes it may align with a certain party, but I don't vote Republican or Democrat. I vote Christian because I follow Christ. I try to read what this book says and apply it to my life because only the God of this Bible has the power to change my life and give me eternal life. Amen. And I'm telling you that you're not going to find it in any other place. You're not going to find it in any other person. And you're certainly not going to find it in religious activity. And the fear that I have is that there are a lot of people in this world that are playing church. And they're going to find themselves in a dry and thirsty land just like this guy did. And you know what's horrible about this, dear friends? Is you can find yourself in a dry and thirsty land surrounded by living water. Surrounded by living water. You can become an island unto yourself because the water is there, but you have to choose to drink it. That living water is not available. This man was worshiping, but he was still without. He still did not know the Lord Jesus Christ, ever searching, uh, never finding. I believe that's why he made the journey all the way to Jerusalem. He was in a dry and a thirsty place. And can I ask those of you that are gathered here today, are you in a dry, thirsty place? Do you feel like you're in a desert? Do you feel like things in your life are, you know that things are not the way that you ought to be? Are you thirsty uh, for something that will satisfy you and will fill you? And I want to tell you that it's not a something that you're looking for, it's a someone, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can satisfy us. He's the only one that can fulfill us. He's the only one that can save us. He's the only one that offers us eternal life. And there is nothing, I don't care what book you've read, what, what self-help or, 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 you know, what new author that you've read uh, says you can do this. This is uh, 17 keys to a new and wonderful life. I want to tell you there's many problems, but there's one answer and his name is Jesus. And he has living water for us today not for a place, but for a person. And I thought it interesting that he, did you notice there that he desired a God? Because the Bible says uh, there in verse 31 that Philip, well, let's back up to 30. Philip ran thither to him and he heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And he just asked him a simple question. Some of you today uh, have had a desire or maybe a burden on your heart to, wisp, to witness to people, and you're absolutely scared to death to talk to somebody about Christ. You have no idea what to say. Uh, you feel like yeah, maybe I need to attend seminary. I need to be a Christian for so many years. I need to understand all the different doctrines. Can I tell you, you're looking at a man right now that doesn't understand everything. I would say there's probably more that I don't understand than what I do. But I'm willing to learn, and uh, we're, just, we're, you know, we're just following the Lord here. But all Philip did was just ask him a simple question. I see you've got an interest here in, in, in spiritual things. Do you understand? Do you understand? And the Bible says that this man looked back to him, and he said, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired that Philip would come up and sit with him. The first lie that people believe is that an, an average person like me can't witness to somebody. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie that Satan would put into your heart so that you don't witness to people and share Christ. Right. That people don't want to hear what I have to say. But did you notice that this man looked at Philip and he, and he desired that Philip would come and share with him? People have a desire to know the Lord Jesus Christ. They have a desire to understand thirsty people are looking for somebody that might give them a drink. Amen? And this man had a desire uh, that he would come, uh, but but we see the plan here that the Lord has because the Bible says uh, in verse uh, number thirty two that the place of the scripture which he read was this. And by the way, this is from Isaiah chapter number fifty three, a passage about uh, the uh, uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth in his humiliation. His judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet of this man, uh, or whom speaketh the prophet of this, of himself or of some other man. And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. That will help them, that will save them, it's Jesus. Jesus. They need to hear about Jesus. This man began to, uh, to preach unto him Jesus. The, the word preach literally means to evangelize. And to break that down for you a little bit further, it's just as simple as sharing the gospel. The gospel is not a difficult message. It's not one that's hard to understand if you will explain it to somebody that Jesus Christ, the son of the living God came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless and a perfect life, uh, preached the kingdom of heaven, gave his life on the cross that we might have eternal life by trusting in him, a sinless sacrifice for those uh, who are lost. And uh, not only did he give his life and die on that cross, he was buried. In the tomb, as proof that he was dead, and three days later, he arose from the dead, gaining victory over uh, over death. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and there he ever lives to make intercession for you and me. It's that simple. And you know what? Everything that I just told you is according to the Scriptures. You need to share with them Jesus, and you need to share with them the Scripture. And friend, this is why it's so important for you to be in church. It's not only for you to be important for you to be in church when we are are having the worship service at eleven a m It's just as important for you to be here during Sunday school when we're learning the scriptures together. That's what we're doing. We're opening the scriptures and we're learning together what the Bible says. How can you share with somebody what the Bible says if you don't know what the Bible says? It behooves us to be diligent. And to be responsible to be a part of these services. Sunday nights, oftentimes, we have, we have Bible studies when we're not engaged in a, in a you know, like tonight, we're, we're going uh, to Alam Creek. And, and you know what? I want to encourage you to be there tonight. I have no doubt that we're going to hear the Bible preached when we go to that place. Standing is open to us more and more and more. How do we learn unless we go sit before the teacher? Amen? And so this man was sharing and preaching uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that the way that they went was the way down unto Gaza. And I thought about this. I thought, you know, the way to Gaza was God's way. What they were doing, they were being obedient to the Lord, and they were doing things the way that God had called them to do them. The Bible says that there's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Sometimes we think we've got it all figured out. We know what way we need to go, but the God's way is the way that we need to follow. We need to go according to his plan. Not only was this a dryly apportioned place, but I want you to know that this was a divinely appointed place. Neither one of them were there by accident. It was the Lord that put Philip there in that place. The angel of the Lord said, go beer uh, your bottom dollar, that it was the Lord that drew that Ethiopian uh man to to Jerusalem, to worship. It was the, it was the almighty God, the spirit of God that put the desire in his heart to, to know the Lord. And if you have a desire to know him, if you will seek him diligently, he will be found of you. The Lord divinely appointed this time. They were drawn together in that moment. And God was making something wonderful as he took the word of God and using the spirit of God through the uh, child of God. And it took faith of God from this man for him to become a brand new creation. And the Bible says that as the preacher shared with him, as he led this man to Jesus, that the spirit of God came and brought conviction upon him. We, we see that there, and I think it's verse number 36, that after uh, Philip had preached to him, he, as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? He was convicted that he needed to be baptized, and, and in the next verse would place his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how did he hear about that? They read the passage in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 doesn't address baptism. Well, I'm telling you that Philip shared a lot more with him than Isaiah 53. He explained the way of salvation on this alone. As a matter of fact, in the very next verse, uh, he said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And the man said, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Tradition tells us that this Ethiopian eunuch Many believe that he took the gospel with him back to Ethiopia when he went there and he began to introduce to people uh, this Jesus that had come to save many and, and in other words what i what I want you to know is that not only was this a plan. Uh, for salvation this was a plan for other people that were there in his hometown and, and the other people that he would impact in his life and this was a plan for the Ethiopian it was also a plan for Philip because the last verse tells us that Philip was went to Azotus and then later he was found in Caesarea now in the middle of the book of Acts we're going to read 20 years later that Paul found Philip where? in Caesarea Paul Philip went there. He settled down. He had a family there. The Bible says that he met his four godly daughters, his family that was living there. In other words, as Philip was depth step of the way, it does not put you out to give your life to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. How far will you go for the Lord? Will you devote your life to him? not only in salvation, but will you also devote your life to Him in service? Listen, I know we, we all have plans, right? I mean, some of us have got it all laid out. I'm going to do this, and then when I reach this point, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to retire at this age, and, and I'm going to live in this place, and if my children do such and such, I might move to that place, and we've got it all laid out. We think we know exactly how far we're going to go. What happens if the Lord comes and changes your plans? What happens if the Lord comes and says, I'd like for you to go a little bit further. I'd like for you to do something a little bit different. It was in obedience to the Lord that salvation was brought to this man. And if it's true that the tradition that he took the gospel back to Ethiopia, it wasn't only the salvation of this man, but it was the the, the salvation of many, maybe even many thousands there in Ethiopia. We see the proof of what happened there in verse 39. The Bible says that when they were come up out of the water, The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. You know that joy, the Bible tells us, is a fruit of the Spirit. True joy, unless you have the Spirit of God living and dwelling within you, and that was one of the early marks of salvation in this man's life, as he began to rejoice in the new life that God had given him when he. Was born again. Today, as we consider this passage, I wonder which side of the story you might find yourself on today. Maybe you're like the evangelist. Maybe you're like Philip, and sometimes God comes along and he asks us to leave a place that has been fruitful. And, and he asks us to go to a dry place and a desert place. And dear friend, I want to share with you today, if that's what God has asked you today, it might just be because there is somebody in that dry place that is thirsty for a drink of living water. Maybe God is, is moving things around in your life. Maybe it's your, your family. Uh, maybe it's your job. Uh, I don't know what it might be, but I want you to know that if it's the Lord that is behind it, if he's made it clear that he wants you to go someplace different, if he wants you to share with somebody, if he wants you to go under the way that leads down to Gaza, it's because he's going to do something when you get there. Amen? That man said how... Can I understand? And we're told in the book of Romans in chapter number 10, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they? And you might be sitting there thinking, well, I'm not a preacher. Friend, if you're a follower of Christ, everybody's a preacher. A preacher is just somebody that's willing to share the gospel. Amen? And so we see Philip's example here. And just like him, he only intended to go so far. But the Lord said, Philip, I want you to go a little bit further. Not only do we have Philip's example, but we also have the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told in Matthew chapter number 26 that uh, Jesus went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, Oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Jesus, knowing full well what laid ahead of him, the Bible says that he obeyed his Father, and he went a little farther. It's called a little farther, and it says just before his trial, Jesus entered Dark Gethsemane, leaving eight outside, took Peter and two sons of Zebedee. Oh, the anguish in the garden, as again he left the three. And he went a little farther, all the way to Calvary. See him praying, hear him groaning, death sweeps o'er him like a flood. Let this cup pass from me, Father, sweat runs down as drops of blood. Not my will, Lord, I will drink it, let thy will be done in me. And he went a little farther, all the way to Calvary. Then at Pilate's hall, behold him as the mob who mocked him cried, Away, away, give us Barabbas, let this Christ be crucified. O Barabbas, O Barabbas, Jesus surely died for thee. He went a little further, all the way to Calvary. Now he marches to Golgotha, scourged and thorn-crowned on the road, bears the cross upon his shoulder, sinks beneath the heavy load. Mocked, reviled by friends forsaken, all for you and for me, he went a little further, all the way to Calvary. Let us go a little further, farther than we've gone before. And we workers, are we workers now for Jesus? Let us do, far will you go for the Lord today? How far will you go for Jesus? Will you go out of your comfort zone? Will you go out of the place maybe that you've always been? Will you be immediately uh, obedient to what he has asked us to do? I believe that God is calling us to go a little further. And who knows where it might be just down the road, a little ways, where he is going to do his greatest and mightiest work in our lives and in the lives of others. We owe it to him. Amen? Amen. We owe it to him. We owe it to the Lord. And we also owe it to those that are lost. That needs to hear that Jesus Christ died to save them from their sin. If you're not the evangelist, then maybe today you're the Ethiopian. I want you to know that his response how can I understand the reason that they are lost is because they've not yet understood who Jesus is and they've also not yet understood who they are and friend if, you, if you've never trusted in the name of Jesus if you've never cried out to him if you've never repented of your sin and turned from your sin, if you've never been broken by the fact that you're lost and in need of a Savior, then that means you're still lost today. If you've never turned away from those sins and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life and to forgive you and and trusted Him and the Holy Spirit of God to make you a new creation, not the old creation improved upon as we talked about in Sunday school. A Christian is not somebody who is a little bit better than they were last week. A Christian is not, this Ethiopian went all the way to Jerusalem to worship at the temple and he was still not a Christian. You can worship and you can attend church until you're 185 years old and be just as lost as the day you first walked in. And the Bible says that one day soon, the Lord Jesus Christ will come again and the wheat will be separated from the tares, the sheep will be divided from the goats, the professors will be divided from the possessors. And dear friends, only those that have submitted their life to Christ, that have bowed at Calvary, Jesus went all the way to Calvary. Will you meet him there? That's what we offer you today is to give your heart to Jesus, trusting in no works, And if you have been searching for the answer, I want you to know that he is here, and his name is Jesus. You've heard the gospel, that Jesus Christ died according to the scriptures. And friend, if you will receive him today, he can be your Lord and Savior, and you can have a home in heaven. If you are thirsty today, hear these words from John chapter 4. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, from whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. The water that I shall give him up in the everlasting life. And Dear friend, I want you to know today, if you're here today and you're thirsty, there's a well that flows with living water. And you can drink of that well and that water will spring up into you a new life. The Holy Spirit of God will take up residence in you and make you a new creature and he will change everything about you. He'll lead you out of that dry and thirsty land and you'll have a place that you can drink from continually. And and not only that, there'll be so much living water in you that it will flow out of you into those people around you just like it did with Philip. Amen? But you know what? What's the old saying? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. If I could make you drink, you'd all be up here with your head in a bucket right now. (laughs) But you have to choose to drink. It's available, and it's free. I'm going to ask you to stand with me here this morning. I mean, do you really know him? Do you understand what he's done for you? Do you understand what you have to do? And he leads me. I want you to know if you're here today, you're here because the Lord Jesus Christ has led you here because he loves you and he has a desire for your soul. He wants you to, to, to have eternal life. He wants you to have an eternal home in heaven and all of those things, but friend, you have to make a choice for him. And so right now, in this very moment, would you make that choice in your heart and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I know that I've sinned, Lord. I know that I've fallen short. And, and Lord, I'm truly sorry. I repent of those things. I ask you to forgive me. I'm going to turn from, from, from my wicked ways. I'm going to turn from the sin that's been in my life. And I'm going to turn to you. And, and Lord, not only am I turning, but I'm trusting in you. I know I can't do it without you, Lord. Father, I pray that you'd have mercy on those that are gathered here today. And Lord, if there's somebody that needs to be saved today, I pray that you'd help them, uh, Lord, to follow you all the way to Calvary, all the way to the cross. Lord, that they uh, would recognize that you've bore their sins on the cross and that they would just receive you by faith through your wonderful grace. (laughs) They can be saved. May your spirit, Lord, do this work of regeneration, this new creation. And Father, may you help us all as we love and serve you. Lord, we, I'm grateful for the church that we have. I'm grateful for those that are willing to go with you wherever you lead us. Lord, I ask you to encourage the saints today. Encourage those that are weary. I encourage those that, uh, Lord, have been maybe discouraged. And Lord, help us, even when we think we know where we're going, help us to go a little little bit further for you. May you receive all the honor and glory, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen and amen. amen. God bless everybody.